Hello and welcome to episode six of Politics and Pints here on Jackman Radio. Super excited tonight to be sitting down with, as of earlier today, was still a presidential candidate, but not anymore. He's pulled out of the race, but he graciously agreed to still sit down with us. Uh, former governor and congressman from South Carolina, Mark Sanford. Mark, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. How you doing? Hanging in. Yeah, you relieved to be done? <laughs> oh, you know, always these things are bittersweet, so at one level, uh, yep, on to the next chapter of life. At another level, I, I love ideas. I love the folks I've gotten to visit with in New Hampshire, and I'll miss that. Yeah, because I know you were planning on, I mean, you have spent a good amount of time here, and you yeah. were kind of planning on moving here, yep. essentially. That, that's nice to give up a South Carolina uh, winter. Yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. little, little yeah. nicer in South Carolina. South Carolina winter before I think it That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. That, that was going to be a uh, big sacrifice on your behalf. Um, so we've got a lot going on right now. We, obviously, impeachment's a big thing. I know before we uh, rolled this interview, you were mentioning kind of the impeachment just it's kind of sucked all the air out of everything else i mean obviously your big thing is being a fiscal hawk right. with your career and your record um and you were, you were just finding that people obviously the republican party has strayed from that and, and it's just kind of all about trump right now and impeachment and, and everything so was and i get that i mean you know we've only had two presidential impeachments in the history of our republic and what it does is it causes everybody to circle the wagon and it is about blue team versus red team. There is no discussion of finer points of what we're about policy-wise on the Republican side in that context. And that makes it very difficult for a campaign like mine to breathe because fundamentally mine was an issue-based campaign about what are we gonna do about spending? What are we gonna do about debt? What do we believe with regard to globalization or institutions or tone? And, and, and so there was sort of a a variety of different things, but the epicenter of where I was coming from was let's have a conversation about how much this stuff costs, because if we don't, we're going to be in real trouble. Yeah. So you did two different stints in Congress. You had uh, 95 to 01 mm -hmm. and then 2013 to 2019. What is the big difference between the political climate of those? Because obviously the first one you had Newt Gingrich, Republican yeah. Revolution, yeah. Clinton, and then now you know you were in there for part of, uh, well, you had Obama and some Trump. Sure. Sure. What were the big differences between those? Uh, it, it, it's become a much more polarized place. Just before walking in here, I was talking to a friend from back on Capitol Hill, and they were saying, you would just not be enjoying it here. It is saber on saber were his words. Uh, there's little discussion of ideas. And I think that's unfortunate. We all lose uh, in that process because at the end of the day, there are real problems confronting our society. It does dis take discussion, debate, and ultimately folks coming together as Republicans and Democrats to figure them out. That's not where we are right now. Yeah, and, just, and so it's much more partisan to answer your question. Yeah, just completely uh, paralyzed. Yeah. And you know, as I mentioned to you, I'm supporting Tulsi Gabbard's campaign and have become friends with her. And to me, she's a breath of fresh air down there in Capitol Hill. Um, just simply looking at people on the other side as humans, yeah. first and foremost, and, and not your enemy, someone to be defeated and, and cut down at, at every corner. So uh, is there any hope? Is there any hope? For yeah, Congress to, yeah, I mean, to, you know, <laughs> things go in swings, and we're kind of out there right now. We have a president whose approach to diplomacy is a bit different than uh, <laughs> most folks <laughs> I've seen out there. And what he's done is he's given people license to, at times, be kind of out there themselves. I remember I was doing town hall meetings at the time of the health care debate back when I was in Congress. This is almost two years ago. And I remember one particularly large town hall meeting, and there was one person who had been a bit obnoxious uh, at points throughout the town hall meeting. And 
I didn't know this person, but I knew them by reputation. So I went up afterward and I said, look, I, I don't know you, but I know you by reputation. And uh, whatever this was didn't sound like the you that I've heard about. And he turns to me and says, here's the deal. If the President of the United States can say anything to anybody at any time on any subject, why can't I? And so I, I'm not saying that the President's wholly to blame with the breakdown of, of what's happening in Washington, but I'd say he's a contributor. And I think that we need leadership on that front. And I think that somebody like Tulsi has the right kind of demeanor, whether or not that leads her to the presidency, I don't know, but the right kind of demeanor that we need more of in Congress. Yeah, she's certainly inspiring people to engage on a more human and, and loving and compassionate level with empathy. Sure. And uh, that's what's really inspired me and, and kind of um, given me reason to support her and, and promote her campaign. So um, as we, Eric was saying, you decided today to end your campaign after yep. just over two months? Or, Correct. Um, what happened in South Carolina with, with the Republican Party basically They ended to, it they, for they me. They pretty much <laughs> they shut down? <laughs> yeah. but what, what? Uh, we, we, in South Carolina, we've traditionally had taken our electoral cues from North Korea, uh, <laughs> but, but that's what they did this go-round. Hey, Mark, that's and, a great country, okay? okay Rock, sorry, Rocket, sorry. Man, Rocket yeah, Man's yeah, a great yeah, friend yeah, of mine. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't you got Lindsey Graham in North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's south. South. Oh, he's, south, yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, we started politics together. We need boots on the ground, Mark. Okay, It's going to take boots. It's going to take boots. And so... I think it's telling, though. I mean, you know, roughly the five million people that make up South Carolina lost their voice in that process. Historically, like folks in New Hampshire, right. we've had disproportionate voice in the political process, mm -hmm. given the fact that we're the first state in the South. That's gone this year. And, and what's more telling about it is I think it's a sign of weakness. I think that somebody in the Trump campaign is looking at numbers that they don't like, and they're saying, hmm, our support is a mile wide and an inch deep we're going to cancel that process. So did they do it directly? No. But would the, would the state party have done it without the president's consent? Absolutely not. Right. And, and so I think it's telling uh, and disturbing, but it is what it is, and you can't fight the tide. So that's why I decided to come up this way. But there's a bigger fog that I think is, is, is very much impacting the debate, and that's what's happening with impeachment. It really sucks all the oxygen out of the room at least on the Republican side, on, on the other issues that we might be discussing. Right. So even if, if uh, Trump gets impeached and, and the House passes it, do you think the Senate would ever uh, would no. actually? No. If it were I, a private I, I, vote, maybe they would. Maybe but, they would, but, but we don't have those in Congress. Do you think Romney so, would like, lead a charge, or is he, you know? No. I mean, and this is why I've said, I've come out publicly, it's not a selling uh, message, but I've come out publicly in favor of censure as opposed to impeachment. I think that impeachment plays to Trump's hand, and what it sets up is a personality contest, which is what he loves, between himself and Jerry Nadler, which might play well for Jerry in, in the Northeast and maybe in California, but it doesn't play well in the heartland of America. It diverts us from the issues, and again, my, uh, to some degree, my, my campaign's a casualty of that process, that otherwise we might be discussing. And uh, at the end of the day, it allows the president to run ads that say, see, I did nothing wrong. Uh, the Senate absolved me of any guilt because unless there's some miracle between now and the time that a Senate might vote if it comes their way, there's no way they're getting 20 Republican senators. And if that's the case, it ends up in a stalemate, which is where every other impeachment basically has ended up. So history says this is not a good idea, which is why Nancy Pelosi was resistant to the idea initially. But, but I, I think it'd be so much cleaner to say, 
based on the evidence we have, we censure you, we don't think it was right, but we trust the American public to get it right because the election is in a matter of months. Both of the previous two impeachments that have taken place at the presidential level have occurred in the beginning of a second term in office. This is at the end of a first term, and voters ultimately could be the decision maker in this process. I think so too, yeah, come yeah. November, it's just, yeah. you know, and it could embolden them though, he could become, he's the great martyr. Right. Well, right. and, and right. the president could end up you know, being a sympathetic figure after, sure. like you saw with Bill Clinton a little bit after his, yeah. you know, Big Bill, Bill, I survived that thing, <laughs> boy, did I survive that, now I gotta deal with Hillary, but I survived <laughs> impeachment. <laughs> But um, I feel like Trump, no matter what it is, he's just a master at manipulating any situation mm -hmm. and turning it into his favor. Sure, so sure. that's definitely another reason why Pelosi yeah. was hesitant. Um, switching over to foreign policy, um, another really great thing that's been happening with Tulsi's campaign, she is standing up with 9-11 families uh, regarding Saudi Arabia mm -hmm. and their involvement in 9-11. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I, there are a lot of conspiracy theories out there, and some of it may hold actually true based on some of the evidence that is out there on Saudi Arabia. But I've not followed that of, of late. Um, and so I'd wish her well. You know, I think that the, the idea of getting compensation out of Saudi Arabia is going to prove to be awfully, awfully difficult. Um, but if nothing else, some, having somebody's ear and saying, I stand with you, I think is consistent with the Gabby that I've known. Yeah, because um, one of the survivors was with us when we filed for the primary. He drove up from Brooklyn, right. a guy named Tim Froelich. Right. And he said, Tulsi Gabbard is the only candidate who, who responded to us. Sure. So they made overtures to all the other candidates. And um, yeah, I mean, getting money out of Saudi Arabia might not happen. But at least getting something on official record, recognizing that the funding for a lot of 9-11 came from very high up officials mm -hmm. within the Saudi kingdom. So, yeah. you know, we have what, what's going on in Yemen, what they're doing in Yemen, you know, the, the arms sale, limited, unlimited arms sales to them. Yeah. I mean, are we, are we ever going to, do you think we'll ever see the tide turn on our relationship with Saudi Arabia or because they have oil, they have a complete stranglehold over us? I think for, for now, uh, oil will drive the train. Yeah, I guess that's that's just the reality of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, but um, it's interesting to see that. And um, before we were rolling here, we were talking about Justin Amash. He's uh, thinking about possibly running with the Libertarians. Um, he left the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on that when he did that? I think it was a bold act of courage. I, I think that all too few people are willing to make a stand that will cost them. People make a stand all day long on things that don't cost them, but he made a stand that could prove very costly in terms of his political trajectory or his time in office, and I admire that. Um, I think we need more boldness like that in the Congress. I'm a huge Justin fan. Uh, I will you know, applaud and support him anything that he decides to do based on my dealings with him over the six years that we overlapped in Congress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for our millennial generation, he's kind of carrying that Ron Paul mantle, yeah. you know, of, of res really being resistant to expanding the government and the government's reach, whether it's in surveillance, encroaching Fourth Amendment rights, yeah. uh, spending, yeah. you know, being against the stupid wars. Right, I mean, he, right. he is, he is a, uh, he's a rare bird in Congress. So I, I really feel like when he's, he's going back to his district and he's running as an independent, I think he's going to keep his seat. I sure hope so. I think he will. That, no, he's, he's a conscience for conservatism, reasonable thought, and thorough preparation in the Congress, and it, we need him there. Yeah, so if he's a libertarian nominee, would you consider supporting him? Or has anyone reached, I mean, I know you just got out today, but yeah. people are going to be looking for your support and, and your help and uh, your guidance. You have, you know, out of the people running. It would be very difficult for me not to support Justin Amash, given the degree to which I respect him 
as an individual and his stance on policy. Absolutely. But you're going to leave the other two stooges hanging, Mark? Come on, you left, you left the three amigos. You're out now. You're out of the club. So we got, we got Bill and we got Walsh now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're brave to continue running because uh, that's, uh, that's not a, uh, not a kind thing to, to be trying to primary Donald Trump. It's like no. being a punching bag. Yeah, just yeah. around the clock. Do you think that Trump would ever appear on stage in a debate with them? Or do you think he's like, I mean, I could see it going either way. Like, I could see him wanting to try and show up and upstage them and make a whole spectacle. But I could also see him, you know, I'm not doing that because I'm president. I'm not going to view it as like it. lowering himself. Right, to, I don't think he'll do it for a second. But, but who knows? Hope springs eternal. Yeah, you never know. So do you think at, when, when Trump's finally out of office, what's, you know, is the Republican Party going to be able to rebuild itself and go back to kind of the way things were? Or is this the new, do you think this is the new normal for the No, Republican there's no Party? new normal. I mean, again, there's, an, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, you can go back to the time of the Greeks and the Romans and it, a lot of times in between, there's always a tension between security on one side and freedom on the other. And look at Sparta and Athens back in Greek times. I mean, th this tension has been eternal. And, and so I, I think that what the president represents is a fallback to people trying to grab security in a very uncertain world, in a very uncertain economic climate. And so I get that, and, and it's understandable. Um, I oftentimes say to my sons, everybody wants a daddy, and I get it that I'm your daddy, but at the end of the day, you've got to make decisions, you've got to stand by them. And, and, and a lot, yet a lot of times, particularly in the world of politics, people want sort of a, a daddy figure that'll figure it out for them. And if you look at Hayek's book, The Road to Serfdom, speaking of Amash, uh, what it talks about, and I want to be clear, I'm not suggesting that, that uh, Trump is Hitler. I'm not suggesting that. But the phenomenon at play is real because his book chronicles basically how any uh, open political system becomes more and more dysfunctional over time, so much so that the electorate gets more and more uh, frustrated with it. Finally, a strong man comes along and says, I'll take care of these problems for you. And it's the story of, obviously, Hitler's rise to power in, in pre-World War II Germany. Um, it's telling in that that phenomenon has existed throughout time, and it's playing out right now. Again, I'm not saying he's Hitler, but I'm saying the phenomenon is real. There's parallels. In, There's in the way that people are lurching for a measure of security, somebody that can figure out these problems for them. And at the end of the day, that's not how our system works. It's incumbent upon every one of us to make our voice heard and to make stands for liberty and or security, if that's where you happen to be. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of, that ethos is kind of, when people ask us, we've been to several Trump rallies. Yeah. Have you, I'm sure you've been to. I have not. You haven't been to any. No, good, I have not. Good for you. Yeah. Um, so we, we've been to a, probably half a dozen, Mike. We yeah. went to the one in oh, August you, here. Yeah. You've been to a couple dressed as. Yeah. 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 It's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mike describes it. Mike was asked recently on a podcast, wow, you went to a Trump rally in person. What's that like? And it's a mix of WWF, a monster truck rally, a little bit of triumph of the will. A little bit of uh, a revival, a revival, Joel Olstein, right, and right. a little bit of '80s arena rock, like all mixed into one, with wow. Trump at the center of it. Right. And and you said that, Mike. That was just like yeah, that's, that's that, what that's I thought. a great. That's point. it. How it was. Yeah. That's yes. what it is. And it's hy hyper nationalism. Yeah. Like nationalism on steroids. It, there's a part of it that has a fun carnival-esque atmosphere yeah. to it, like the tailgating and hanging out outside. But there's also it's kind of scary it's frightening. at the same time. Right. Because people really believe that, and a lot of the people that supported them. Um, 
just feel like they were left behind and and yeah, they, he's the father figure, you know. He's mm -hmm. he's, the, he's like the supreme. <laughs> he's the sun king. He's the he's right, the right. Geodis, the god emperor of the United States. <laughs> right. And they they you know that's how they view him. So it's uh, those people. Will but we better be never, careful. Never we're turn playing, their backs yeah, on We're them. playing with fire, because our founding fathers set up a system of checks and balances, mm -hmm. a belief in institutions over any one man or any woman, all designed around the foibles and the faults of any of us as human beings. And so the idea of putting too much trust in any one political figure has proven disastrous across the pages of time. And I think it'll be no different in this period that we're living through right now. Yeah, definitely. And where are you on Citizens United and, and trying to get money out of politics? Because any former members of Congress or Tulsi or anyone I've talked to, a lot of their time, as you know, is spending. You're on the horn calling those donors. And that takes up, obviously, a lot of your time where you could be doing other things like constituent services and um, that sort of stuff. So this will be the last one. I know we've got to wrap yeah, it up here. Yeah. So Citizens United, are you in favor of overturning it? Or how do you feel no, about it? I mean, I think really that goes to the larger issue of soft money um, and unlimited money. And I'm not for unlimited, undisclosed amounts of money in the political system. I, I believe that there ought to be transparency. I think that there's a value to you looking at me, which you can do with hard money, mm -hmm. you just can't do it with soft money contribution to a, to a, you know, a, a third party entity that can then come out for or against something anonymously. I don't think anonymous and public process should go together. So I'm for unlimited, I, you know, it's, I, I think you could contribute all you want to contribute, but just let us know the basis of where you're coming from. I, I think mystery on that front is a problem. It's something I worked against when I was governor of South Carolina, because at that time, it was sort of the wild west of, of political frontiers, and you could give unlimited undisclosed to a political party, and I thought that that was problematic. Yeah, well, Jesse Ventura says you should be like NASCAR. They should have the NASCAR jackets, Exxon right here, Halliburton right yeah. here, GM right here, yeah. Telecom right here. Right. And I thought, I think that's pretty brilliant. So yeah, you're yeah. for like disclosure where all the yeah. money's coming from. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's great. Well, what about Arnold? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got an Arnold story yeah, for us. Really quick, quick Arnold anecdote. You guys were governor at the same time, right? Uh, we were governor at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, he's, I, I was just telling your brother that there was a great picture we have down at the farm where I was then chairman of the Republican Governors Association. I was at a press conference speaking on whatever it was, and he's just to my back left shoulder. I look at that picture now, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I would not mess with that guy. But I don't have any particularly great stories other than he, uh, he was a larger-than-life figure amongst the governors, given his larger-than-life status. Absolutely. Fair well, enough. Governor Mark Sanford, thank you so much for joining Cheers. us. It's pleasure. Been a pleasure. Yes, sir. And I wish you thank well you. in whatever endeavor you choose next. Folks, thanks for joining us. Episode 6 of Politics and Pints. Check us out at Jackman Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like what you see here, hit that subscribe button and become a patron today at patreon.com slash jackmanradio. We'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>